Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. episode of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by the Help Me Find a Therapist webinar. Are you someone that has been listening to this podcast and you definitely are ready to take the step in looking for a therapist? Are you someone that is interested in finding an African-American therapist, maybe of a Christian therapist and don't know where to start? I've got you covered, girl. Let's cut out the Google searches and let me help you find a therapist that's right for you. So in this webinar, I'll share with you how you can find a therapist that's just right for you. This webinar will cover how you can find a therapist in your area. Maybe you want to find a therapist that's virtual, low cost options, how to find a therapist, maybe with or without insurance. I'll also cover specifically all of the websites you can utilize to be able to find an African-American therapist and even a Christian therapist. So I promise you, I won't leave you hanging That is not the only thing we're going to cover in this webinar. As a bonus, I also will include my consultation question ebook. So when you call a therapist, you know exactly what questions you need to ask, specifically even asking them questions about their faith and if you can include that in your sessions. This ebook has all of the questions that you want to ask, as well as it'll give you the opportunity to really advocate for yourself for your mental health journey. If you're interested in starting therapy, definitely go to helpmefindatherapist.com. Again, that's helpmefindatherapist.com or go to the link in the show notes. I cannot wait for you to start your mental health journey. Now let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Rosa Renee. Welcome to another episode of the show. And hey, y'all, I'm back with another interview. I'm really excited about this interview. So I met our special guest in grad school. We actually went through the same grad program and I've actually have followed Alana on social media and we have kind of engaged back and forth a little bit. And she made a post on something that was super, super interesting to me. And I was like, oh my God, I need to ask her to be on the podcast. And then I really like delved into her story and we talked a little bit. And I just thought that this would be such a great episode for you all to hear her experience, hear her story. And just overall talking about trauma, sexual abuse, celibacy, and just her story with her and her husband. And so I think you're going to just thoroughly enjoy this episode. So... Say like, hey, sis. Hey, how are y'all? <laughs> like they can respond. <laughs> hey. <laughs> right, exactly. So Alana, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you? Hi, so my name is Alana. I am, like she said, a wife. I'm a mother of two. I went to grad school and got my master's in social work. I have a bachelor's in psychology. 
I currently work in the medical field as a social worker. I was a counselor before then for about three years. So yeah, right now I'm just kind of navigating life as all those things. I also do YouTube and I do write blogs. But as a new mother of two, I am, you know, trying to get back into the groove of those things. So yeah, slowly yeah, but surely. Girl, girl all of them. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do everything out of the side. Okay, yeah. so why don't you tell us <clears throat> how you came to accepting Christ and building your relationship with God? So I came to accepting Christ. I was not raised in a church or anything like that. I would say it actually happened more so. I think I was a sophomore in college, like towards the fall semester of my sophomore year. My brother, my big brother, he had started going to church and, you know, he got saved. And I actually, funny story, I went to the church real defensive because I was like, you know, who are these people? And, you know, my brother, you know, he's changing and stuff like that. So I went to go check out the scene because I don't play about my brother. So I was like, let me just, you know, make sure this is okay. And so I went and I just kind of observed for a few times and I was not the most welcoming person to the ministry. (laughs) I was very, you know, you know, off put. I had like a very defensive demeanor up. And I remember the pastor, he was just working. He was just like, Jesus loves you. He loves you. Okay. Whatever you're going through, he loves you. And so from that, that was like my real start in church because I had been to church, but I never like fully gave myself. And so I would say from those situations, I grew to appreciate the community. I think that is what kept me and what helped save me was the community of people that was around me that pulled me into Christ. Because had it just been on my own, I probably wouldn't have been so invested. I think that accountability definitely was like, no, you need to get it together. And these people are here to help you keep it together. And so definitely that's how I got started with accepting Jesus into my life. Yeah, that's good. I think we forget sometimes how important the body is and yeah. how valuable relationship is. With yeah, people don't like accountability that much. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like to be told what to do, but it's uh-uh. necessary. It's necessary. So yeah. how old were you around that time? Uh, were you like young adult? I was like 21-ish. Okay. 20 to 21. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Freshly legal and everything. Okay. So yeah. So with that, then talk about your celibacy story and how that became to be a desire of yours, especially as you're like starting this new relationship with God, how that became a thing for you and like what that looked like. Okay. So with celibacy, I actually started in high school. I would say Middle school, for me, I just wasn't checking for that. So celibacy wasn't even a thought for me in middle school, but folks in middle school was wild. So it wasn't until I got to high school that I felt like I needed to actually label this thing because I thought people in middle school was wild. But when I got to high school, it was like a whole new level of stuff. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to be committed to this. Again, I was not in church or anything. I was going to a church with my friends, but it wasn't anything that made me grow in my relationship. I was just kind of going every now and then. And so I was like, you know, I just want to be celibate because I had been sexually abused in the past. And I wanted the next time I did something to be on my terms. And so it wasn't necessarily celibacy for, you know, being aligned with the word of God. It was, I wanted autonomy over my decisions. And I wanted to make sure that whoever I gave myself to, I was a willing participant in doing that. Mm. And so... That's good. Fast forward, it did not go like that in high school. 
I don't even know what happened. It was a mix of peer pressure and flesh and just not knowing the value of self. It was just like a lot of things. And so when I got to college, I think around, I was in and out of wanting to be celibate before I even got to church. I was in and out of just like, you know, I'm going to do it this month and, you know, next month I'll see what happens. But when I started walking with Christ, I was in a relationship no, we were ending the relationship. So it was like a very in-between stage. And I was like, I'm going to end up compromising myself a lot because I'm in this relationship and we didn't start off celibate. And so how can I now say, oh, I want to be celibate when, you know, this is the terms this person I agreed on. And then- It had already been crossed at that point. Yeah, right. And so I think we tried to reconcile, didn't work. And so- from that point, it's like I went on a downward slope. You know, like the closer you try to get to God, the more you try to hold on. It's like just warfare comes in droves. And I was not stable to handle that. Like, I don't think anybody is prepared for warfare to an extent when you're new in Christ. But the amount that I received was just so, it was a lot. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So I went back to being the Alana that just dealt with things how she knew how. And he just added on more warfare. And so I think I got settled in my celibacy after I went through just acknowledging that I no longer want to do this because it's not only hurting me, it's hurting my walk with God. And I didn't want to feel void anymore. Like I didn't want to feel like I was giving one of the most sacred things to just these people I had relationship with because I knew that that's what people took from me in the past. I was like, well, if they took it, then it must be something good to them. So, you know, this person might stay if, you know, I give this to them. And it was just a very. That's like a really like just tough mental battle. Cause it's like, yeah, pulling you towards the Lord. But then it's like these other things that come up. And like you said, not being really equipped to handle warfare and what that yeah. looks like. So like with that being said, how was celibacy difficult as a survivor of sexual abuse? Especially before we talk about you and your husband's story. Mm-hmm. What was that like mentally for you? How did that come up often? Mm-hmm. Even if you want to give a briefing of that story, but just like, how was it difficult for you trying to walk in celibacy, having had gone through that? Mm-hmm. So the sexual abuse, it was at a few different ages, like from childhood to, I would say probably elementary. I had probably about two to three sexual abusers. And then middle school, probably one. I don't think there was any in high school and then college one. And so I had many elementary, it was three to four. I don't know, but it was a lot of situations that I went through. And during those key developmental stages, which is, you know, kindergarten, preschool, elementary, to have all that happen with not just males, but also a female, it's very damaging to your identity when you don't even you are just yet, you know, it was never strangers, you know? And so that's the thing you think that people that love you would not cross that boundary, but it's always closer to home. And so with that happening, when I decided to be celibate, it was more so, like I said, I wanted that body autonomy because I did not have that growing up. And for me, It was almost like me fighting for myself, Mm. saying that, oh, no, I'm celibate. And I didn't have to give people a reason for it. I was just like, I don't want to have sex. And that's just that on that. But I knew that once I got into a relationship, I was like, how am I going to deal with that? Like, 
how are people going to actually accept this and are people understanding of sexual abuse? Because, you know, people don't talk about it and when they do. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. But people aren't equipped to deal with that, especially in high school. High school yeah. boys, yeah, they don't know how to nurture somebody that has been Girl. sexually abused. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know how to nurture myself. So, you know, and so to put the expectation on somebody thinking back now, it's like neither one of us were equipped to deal with it, you know, that type of trauma. And it wasn't the case that I, I had a mom who didn't believe me or anything. I just didn't reveal everything that happened to me. Because when I did tell my mom about one incident, I thank God that she believed me and she removed me from that situation. But as continuing on with the difficulties with celibacy, it was more so me not understanding like that I was traumatized. I just thought it was me. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's girl. Okay, so that's that's jam packed with stuff. Not yeah. knowing you were traumatized because I think in a lot of situations where I've talked to people, and this is definitely not my scope of experience, but just in going through school and just understanding trauma, but also even having friends that were sexually abused, not knowing that that's not normal, but also mm-hmm. knowing that the huge impact emotionally, mentally right. that has on a child, teenager, or even a young adult how that really impacts the way you are in relationship. But even like you said, you're a full on identity. And so like mm-hmm. you said, not knowing I was traumatized, you move and act in a way that you don't really even know within the right. experience. Right. Cause I was very angry and a lot of that anger, I didn't know where it was coming from. And so when I would get in relationships, I was, you know, very physically along with sex, I would get physically upset and like want to put my hands on people and put my hands on people. And I was just like, it wasn't until college that I was like, this is wrong. And I don't know where it's coming from, but I can't be like this towards people. Like I can't do this to people. And again, this is me learning through this process that I'm traumatized because I did not know. And I knew I was abused, but I didn't know how deeply it was affecting literally every aspect of my life. Yeah. And so with celibacy, Again, it wasn't something for God at that point. It was just like, I'm doing this for autonomy reasons and this, that, on that. But when I actually started doing it for God, it got super difficult because I started feeling like I was dirty. I started feeling like I was unpure. I started feeling like just the shame, like, just like ill, like, yeah. you know, who and why would they want this? Or why am I doing this to myself? Do I not feel like I'm worthy? And it was a tough process to get out of that uh, feel like I'm condemned like that condemned thing was so heavy on me I felt like nothing could wash me clean and again I had accepted Jesus and here he says you know you are no longer condemned but I'm just like no mm-hmm. I don't fully believe that because I don't feel new I don't feel fresh I just feel like you know yeah so with that because that really impacts the way we view God it impacts the way mm-hmm. us how do you think that shifted for you in the way you view God? And, and then also just overall, how did you heal? Healing is definitely a process. I think my biggest thing was allowing myself to walk that process with God versus thinking that it would just happen for me in one day. Because for me, with sexual abuse, there were trauma triggers. Like it would be certain months. It would be certain things that would happen. And I had to realize that that still needed healing. And it would be things that I will remember like later on. Some stuff, I was just like, was that even real? Did that happen? And so it was like, things were being brought up 
And I had to go through like, Lord, help heal me from this thing. I don't know if I'm imagining this. I don't know if this really happened, but please, Lord, like, you know, show me the truth. Show yeah. me how I can better myself. Yeah. And he directed me to Romans 7. I think it's around Romans 7, 15, where Paul talks about wanting to do good, but you know, your members of your body are acting against you and you know, you want to do good, but there's something in you that's just not allowing you to. And I was like, that's me, Paul. Like I want to do good, but I just feel like I can't. I keep putting myself in these tempting situations and da da da. And Lord was like, now go to Romans 8. And Romans 8 is this whole transfiguration of being new in Christ and how you're no longer bound by law and how you're free and all that stuff. And I was just like, well, I kind of keep going. It's crazy that it's so quick. It's such a quick transition. Right. For sure. But just like the nuance of this is our true experience. Yeah. I think the way it's placed, you know, from Romans 7 to Romans 8, and it being like, you're going through this and then boom, you're new in Christ. It doesn't negate the fact that, you know, there is a process, a process, but when you're reading it, it happens so quick. You kind of just like, okay, I need to have that quick in my life. For me, it wasn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. You said a couple of things I wanted to pull and then we can get into the story of you and your husband. You talked about trauma triggers. Mm-hmm. talked about certain months because these are things and you know you and I know this just from kind of working with people and also school trauma triggers certain months certain things that you randomly remembered because even mm-hmm. as like for those of you that don't know when you experience trauma there are sometimes your mind can purposely forget so you don't have mm-hmm. to feel the memory again there are people I remember when I was working in community mental health where they would talk about their trauma. They literally said they don't remember. They don't remember mm-hmm. parts of it. They don't remember it at all. And it's really like your brain's mechanism of trying to forget this. Yeah. And like you said, as you're healing and walking through. And the beautiful thing about the Lord is that God wants to reveal all this. Yeah. He likes to bring light to situations, not in a state to hurt us, but more so reveal what the enemy uses against us. Right. Those blind spots. Yeah. Those blind spots so that we're aware and also just more equipped to fight spiritually. Mm-hmm. I think that that's important to note because you basically just like walk through a healing process with God. Yeah. Revealing areas that you probably would not have known had you had just brought it to him. And I think it's really important for people to know, like if you're randomly having in June around the same time every year, Mm -hmm. finding yourself going through a stage of depression or months of the year, like that might be a trauma trigger for you that Mm -hmm. you might not really know. Right. Okay. So let's kind of talk through you and hubby. (laughs) So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you met Javon? Okay. So I met Javon at my church. He wasn't a member. He just would come. He was going to a college in Mississippi at the time. So he would come to visit and everybody would just be like, oh, that's Evangelist Javon. And so I wasn't, we weren't initially attracted to each other. It was more so, oh, you know, he's a cool guy. He loves to evangelize. He will always come with stories about baptizing people in his tub, in his dorm room, or going to a pool or something like that. And he was just so on fire. And so when he came, it would be like this, you know, just fresh wind of just zeal for the Lord. And I remember him coming to one of the services before he was going back to school. And the Lord had me give a word to him about, you know, his future and things like that. 
And uh, we always laugh about it now because we're living that word. And it was just like, it's, it's just a surreal thing. It's like, oh, wow, Lord, you had me prophesy that to him. And now we're together. And we didn't think that in that phase of life. And so it wasn't until I want to say 2014 that I think I met him in like 2013 or 2012, 2013. And it wasn't until 2014 that I say the Lord just kind of opened my eyes to him. He was preaching at our anniversary and I looked at him and it's just like this wind just kind of like washed over my eyes. And it was just like, no, look at him. And I was like, I like him. I was like, <laughs> it was so like, what weird. you mean? Look at him. I'm looking at him. What are you talking right. about? It was, it was like, no, look at him. And I was like, is this a lust spirit? Like, what is this? <laughs> so I'm trying to like, you know, be like, uh-uh, that ain't me. Like, I ain't going after nobody up there. <laughs> so, Period. I was talking to one of my very good friends, Desiree, because she was visiting the service at the time. And I was like, girl, he is so good. He's like, he's a great preacher. Da, da, da. You know, he's so on fire for the Lord. He's just a good person. Da, da, da. And she's like, okay, Alana. Okay. And I was like, dang, I am being a little extra right now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so after he got done preaching or whatever, you know, he just got down. He was talking to everybody and he and I kind of like had an interaction. And I was just kind of like hesitant because I'm like, uh, I don't, I kind of like him now and I don't know how to navigate this. So I'm just going to be like, hey, move along. And I was like, Lord, if you want him to like me too, send him my way because I'm not going to go after him. <laughs> so, but I think we followed each other on Instagram and he ended up messaging me. We were like liking pictures back and forth. The good old side and DM thing happened and we exchanged numbers and it just kind of went on from there. And so. Yes. Okay. So mm. the deals. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by Christ Couch. Hey, girl. So if you're not familiar with Christ Couch, let me tell you all about it. So every single Monday, I send an email to my email list that is filled with so much information, so much value every single Monday. And I love to call it Christ Couch. Christ Couch is a place where we discuss countless topics, gather together as girlfriends, and share our daily walk through life, all while uplifting one another. Over time, I have been able to learn that Christ allows us to experience his goodness and true vulnerability through relationships. So let's take a seat and share it all on the couch. In this Monday email that you will receive every single Monday from me at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, you'll get a full-on devotional and prayer, a little Motivation Monday, I like to call it, where you get to start the week off with a little motivation and a weekly mental health tip that you can weekly and very easily add to your life. So if you're interested in Christ Couch, definitely go to the link in my show notes, completely free to you. You'll get an email every single Monday from me, and I cannot wait to share with you all the amazing things on the couch. Now let's get back to the show. How did the celibacy conversation come up for y'all, especially because I think you had kind of talked about you were walking celibacy out before you met him. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? What did that conversation look like for both of you? So around the time we first started talking, I asked him, I was like, what are your intentions with me? And, you know, he started off with, I just want to be your friend. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't been through the ringer too many times. I don't believe this. I, you know, and so I was like, what does that mean for you? What does that look like? And he was like, you know, I want to be your friend and I will hope that it develops into more blah, blah. So once it started, like, let me affirm you and say like, that's so bomb. You did that. Yeah. <laughs> we like somebody. We're like, ah, yeah. 
<laughs> Listen, I have been through it too much. I'm like, I'm not going to mess up myself for no man again. I'm not going to mess up myself because of my flesh. Like, I need to know up front. Because I had just got out of a situation where I was so deceived and I was like, I really thought this was the one, but it was a whole decoy. And I'm not finna get Girl, you know, same situation. No decoy. Same situation before I met husband. <laughs> I'm like, this is not who right. I know. This is not who I bet. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. So that decoy situation, I was like, I'm not getting put in another one of those things. So I said, sir, you know, I know who I see when you're at church. Like I knew who that was, but people put on, you know, some real good images. Amen. And so I was like, I want to see like who are, because again, I wasn't raised in the church. I only heard things about, you know, like how people are within it. And so when I started and the church I was going to, wasn't like heavy in any like religious rules as far as, you know, certain things. And so I had not been exposed to a lot of what people would call church hurt and stuff, but I heard about it. And so I'm like, are you, you know, faking this walk? Like, so I just needed to know because the person I dealt with before then, I was just like, this is what people be talking about. Like, this is bad. And so after we had that conversation and he ended up, I think it was before he asked him to be his girlfriend. We were just talking. It just came up in conversation. He was just like, you know, where are you with God? Because again, I'm not ashamed to say he was very, he was stronger in his walk than I was at that point or when we were talking. And I say that because I could tell by his discipline from what he showed me that he was ahead of me. And that made me be like, okay, if this is somebody that I want to pursue me, I need to get myself right as well. Not saying that I was just like on the low end or anything like that, but I knew that there were levels that I wasn't fully committed to just yet. As far as, you know, going deeper into the word of God, knowing myself, my identity in Christ, I was still like learning that. And we're still learning that it's never an end in it. Yeah, yeah. But he just made me want to come up more. Yeah, not and in so, shaming where your walk was, but more so like you wanted right. to become more disciplined and just yeah. what you're doing in the pursuit of God, which is right. Yeah, I right. totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so fast forward to, you know, those conversations about, you know, where you are in Christ and all this. So we had talked about boundaries. You know, it's supposed to be understood that, you know, if we both say, you know, we're walking with God, but people walks are always different. So you never know. And everyone's relationship with God is different. Right. And so everybody doesn't have the same background of beliefs. Everybody doesn't have the same journey. And so we can both say we're Christian, but that can be looked like two different things. And so it's more like, where are you with your relationship with Christ? What are your boundaries? And we had that conversation. And at that point in time, I was not only being celibate, I didn't want to kiss. I was like, I'm not doing any of that. And if that's not something that you think you can do, then we don't need to pursue this any longer. But that was my mind frame. I didn't tell this to him. He ended up bringing up, he was like, you know, I'm celibate. I've been celibate for X amount of years. And he was like, you know, if you're in a situation where we don't even have to kiss if you don't want to. And I was like, well, since you brought that up, that is something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't like put off by it. He was just kind of like, wow, for real? I was like, yeah. And I told him, I was like, you know, I know it may sound extreme. I was like, however, the things that I've been through and the walk that I want to have, I was like, I have to set this boundary up. And so that was basically the onset of our boundaries discussion was, you know, early on in the relationship, probably before 
we became boyfriend and girlfriend or when we became boy, it was like right on the cusp of that, that we had that conversation. And I needed to have that because if we moved forward and we put a label on each other, I probably would have felt obligated to go into like limiting my boundaries that we hadn't discussed. And like, if he was oh, somebody yeah. that would have pulled me, I probably would have went. Yep. And that's what I, I asked. I, I, I need a man. Yeah, because I, huh. I think I had talked to you about, you know, that wasn't the same thing for me and my husband. We were on kind of two different pages. And you're yeah. right when it comes to having the different pages, really, like if you're, like you say, you're not strong enough. And I think the point that I love with your story is just how self-aware you and Javon were in your own identity, yourself, how y'all yeah. walk with Christ, even though it was different. Just a seriousness about that but mm-hmm. also how clear y'all were together with your boundaries. And I think that's the yeah. part that's super important when you are walking this walk with celibacy, being very clear about yourself, very clear about your walk with God and very clear about your boundaries. And I think that's the part that I was like, yeah, that's the key. And being able to also, I think you and I had talked about too, which you can talk about how y'all revisited them throughout your reporting process. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. because listen when you are with somebody and you're attracted to them you're going to want to do things <laughs> and you know and it's not always the time for those things. especially since we have put those boundaries up we found ourselves testing those boundaries because we were growing in attraction towards each other especially after the engagement phase you know your flesh the enemy whoever will try to trick you into being oh that's yours now like you got the ring you know y'all preparing to be husband and wife and so we had to make sure that the commitment we made, like we stayed with that because we didn't want to one damage the things that we had built. Cause I knew that if we did that, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to look at him. If I, you know, fail myself within this boundary. It's not that it wasn't about him. Cause I wanted to protect his image as well, because his biggest thing, he's like, I don't want to be a false teacher. I don't want to say I'm living this way and doing this thing. He was really big on that. And I wasn't like up in front of people and ministering at the time. I was in my church, but he was going to different places. And he was like, I can't be the person that says I'm doing this, but doing this behind closed doors. So that was a big thing for him. And that was a big thing for me wanting to honor that. And so I was like, I get that. I understand. And then on the flip side for me, I didn't want to one, disappoint God and then make myself feel like I owe it to Javon to be sexually pleasing to him because I had moments like that. Like he wasn't trying anything with me and I feel like, well, does he find me attractive? Like, you know, he's not trying to have sex with me. Why is that? I want him to want me. And it took us a while to realize that there's different ways to show that you want somebody. There's different ways to be intimate without having sex. And that really set the foundation of communication for us. That really set the foundation of learning how to have hard (laughs) conversations that we probably didn't want to have. But it got a lot out the way before we got married. And there was a lot of things we didn't deal with our first year of marriage, second year of marriage and things like that. So, And too, like, I think it's very important to know that what you said about is he even attracting to me? Because that can come up, especially Mm -hmm. even if you have not been sexually abused. But definitely for someone who might have had that experience early on, you equate acceptance mm-hmm. or equate love or equate attention or right. I've experienced this. Nobody else has experienced this with attraction and love. Mm-hmm. And you sort of assume because we're not doing this. Do you even want me? Like, what's the right. of this? 
Right. Cause you feel rejected. I remember there were some times where I would just feel like, you know, he doesn't, you know, look at me a certain way. And the whole time, like he was just, he, I remember us having a conversation. I was like, I don't even know if you want me. I don't know if you think I'm beautiful. He was like, I tell you beautiful all the time. Like I do want you. I want you so bad. He was like, but if I let myself get to that point, he was like, I would not forgive myself. And I had to retract myself because I was like, if we keep pushing these boundaries, we're going to end up having sex and we're both going to end up crying. (laughs) And I don't know how it's going to impact how we view each other. And so I think us not wanting to risk that. General, yeah. We had to revisit those boundaries. Like we said no kissing, so don't be coming touching my forehead with your soft lips and all this (laughs) stuff. And now I'm wondering... Like, you know, how does it feel? Like, <laughs> And something I always say is that I remember praying that, you know, Lord, take these desires from me. Jesus, I don't want to desire him that way. And I was so grateful that the Lord was like, uh-uh, you know, stop. You want those desires. You just want them at a, you know, you want them to come to fruition at the designated time. And so I remember talking to Javon about that. Like, you know, I'm happy to want you the way that I do. I'm happy that you want me the way that you do. However, you know, the Lord explained to me that we both have a designated time for those desires to come to fruition and for us to enjoy it. And again, that can wait to God to like show you that wisdom. Yeah, because imagine you get married and you don't pray, you don't want to desire this person. And now you see them in all of their, you know, birthday suit and you just like, "Mm, that is (laughs) not it. (laughs) I don't like this person. I don't, and the desire is not there. <laughs> and great, it may not be that deep for some people, but I'm like, words are powerful. And I didn't want to put- Baby, I didn't spend all this time. I need to want you. Okay, child. Okay. Right. I better want you. Right, exactly. Okay, so talk about just the story of how y'all got to the point of, then you got to, you got to be able to kiss at your wedding. Like, oh. oh yeah, that was so beautiful. I was so nervous. I was like, is he going to add, you know, it's going to be French kids. It's going to be like a pet. <laughs> you know, we couldn't practice. <laughs> it was more so like, just go with the flow. And I remember the reaction from watching, like in that moment, I didn't care about the reaction. It was just me and him. But watching the video is so funny. You just see pictures of folks like, <gasps> ah, so it's a, it was so funny. We always make a joke, like y'all saw like the little friendly kiss, but you know, once we got on the elevator after the I do's, it was the real kiss. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. It was a very sweet moment and it makes, you know, when we kiss, it's always like, I mean, we couldn't do this. And so it's just kind of like a sweet reminder of what we waited for and the hardship that it took to get to that point. It's just kind of like, how long, how long did y'all date? Two years before we got married. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, sis, definitely. Okay, yeah. so talk to me a little bit about your perspective with the purity community. That was the initial reason, like, I really wanted to interview you about, especially when I can remember when I was in college, I remember I used celibacy as a means to one up, like, the way mm-hmm. I'm celibate, so I'm better than other people. It was very proper. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a time frame of just, like, being in communities with women of, you know, you want to remain pure, you want to remain pure, you want to remain pure, that when I did fall and have sex, the shame yeah. I felt, it was almost as if I could not shake it. And I, it yeah. took 
it took years for me to understand like the language that's often used, especially with purity community, but overall in general, just this idea of the shame that's attached to that. And Mm -hmm. really not in my heart and mind really teaching what this looks like. Like what does it look like? I love the way you describe boundaries. I love the way you and Javon like describe just the commitment with each other and how like how do women navigate in that season of time where you want to be celibate and it's not necessarily you're being shamed, but also Mm -hmm. really what that looks like. So that's my perspective. I'm very practical and I really like to talk about what things look like. But for you, especially someone who walked it out, Mm -hmm. really walked that out with a pure heart with God, but just... What would you say about how you feel and your perspective related to that? Mm -hmm. With the purity community, it's not that I feel like it's something that needs to just be done away with. I think their approach needs a lot of refining and the meaning of purity needs to be understood in a greater depth because it's not just about sex. Purity is in the mind. You can be a virgin and have impure thoughts. You could be, you know just out here sewing your royal lows and, you know, think that, oh, well, you know, I don't watch porn. So, you know, so it can be so many different things that people are like, well, as long as I don't do this, I'm considered pure when it's so much broader than just this one thing. And for me, I was only seeing women who weren't having sex, but were, you know, trying to get married. And so it was like a prize of, okay, you know, I claim that, you know, I'm celibate and then boom, God blesses me with the husband. It's like, you know, I give you this God, you give me a husband in return. And for me, that was so like damaging. Cause I'm like, one, who says everybody's promised a spouse. And then two, it's not an automatic thing. So you can have somebody walking in celibacy for 30 years and they still holding on to this purity community and they can become resentful towards God because they think it's this formula. And, it and so conditional, it seems so conditional. Yeah. It's like, it's not supposed to be like that and again I'm very realistic in things and I don't know if it's well I know it's a lot of to do with my upbringing and my background in mental health but a lot of things I overanalyze and that can be hard when you're you know in a relationship with God who's mostly based off faith <laughs> but uh um, big facts sis oh my yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I would see the purity community. And when Javon and I got together, it was like this heavy influx of Christian influencers who were, you know, either branding celibacy or talking about celibacy and purity and all this stuff. And I was feeling myself falling into that. And I was just like, I don't like that. I don't want to be entrapped and feeling like if XYZ is met, then XYZ should be done. And so I kind of backed back and I was like, God, what does our relationship look like how is our relationship going to be and he said y'all blueprint is y'all's blueprint and when y'all walk this journey together y'all will see what that looks like it's not going to be like anybody else's y'all probably won't even you know experience some of the things people experience and they won't experience what you experience and so for me in general it's very hard for me to look up to something and say that's what I want like that's just me in general it was more so the purity community was <laughs> it was just something I was just like, I, I'm not down with the wearing white and getting the ring and saying I'm married to Jesus. Like, I just wasn't down Ooh, with it. <laughs> yeah. It can become an idol. Yeah. 
I know that there were a lot of narratives that I heard throughout my process and just the time I was with my husband of just like waiting when the man was going to propose because we would have conversations yeah. about it. And I would hear, you know, things like, well, if you keep doing this, this ain't going to happen. And it's just, it becomes so shameful that it makes yeah. you feel like, okay, God, what am I doing wrong? What am yeah. I not doing right? Versus your heart posture and really like right. walking, like you said, not looking at something and say, I want that, but just walking your walk with the Lord. Right. Just having your eyes on what's in front of you versus all these other things that, you know, we hear this is the prize versus what is God really saying for my situation? Right. My, what is really, like you said, all the multiple layers of purity. Are my thoughts pure? Are the things that I'm speaking out of my mouth pure versus just this conditional actions yeah things that you have this one-up on situations and one-up in in situations like that so I'm glad you shared the perspective because I think that that's really important just for people to hear but also understand that it's not a thing of you don't have to desire celibacy and feel like you have to be in this little box you can still walk your walk every day with the Lord and remain pure in the things that you're doing yeah yeah Okay, so what advice, kind of switching gears back, um, how would you kind of explain, especially someone who has gone through sexual trauma, like someone who might be wanting to do that, but being challenged in their walk with wanting to be celibate, having had gone through the, what what would be some like little advice or things that you would say to them to kind of help them through that process? I would definitely say, just be open and honest with yourself. No one knows you like, you know, you and the Lord. And I say that very loosely. In fact, no one knows you because even for myself, like there were things I had to learn about myself and it took the Lord revealing things about me that made me be like, okay, well, I am angry. I am very hurt. I am very off put when somebody does this to me. Now, how do I communicate that without just automatically shutting down because I'm not going to argue either. I'm going to leave you alone or I'm going to fight or I'm going to do something. That was me. That was me all day. And so I was like, I had to be open and honest with myself about how I was traumatized and what that looks like throughout the years. I had to do a lot of digging. And so my advice would definitely be to be open and honest. If you feel like you cannot be that with somebody, then that's a sign right there. Like, why am I not able to go to that point with you? Is it because I'm still healing in that area and I need to take it to God first? Or is it that I don't feel comfortable enough with you? And why is that? You have to communicate, have those hard conversations now, because if it happens later, you already got too much stuff tied to you. And now you feel obligated to walk this thing out versus retracting and being like, this is not it. You already done, but you too invested now. Yep. And a lot of people do that. Yep. The thing that you described that I think is wonderful to hear is God showing you the emotion behind what you felt. Mm-hmm. Like I hear people a lot of times say, you know, mental health now is becoming more of a conversation, especially for Christians. People always say you have Jesus in the therapy too, but like the whole biggest thing and thing that I talk about is at the crux of it, God wants us to understand what we feel. So we're more equipped to fight, but also that we're not blinded by the things that have happened to us in the past that we may not have had control over, Mm -hmm. but how these things may have impacted our view of him, our view of our faith, 
a view of our way in which we move about our communication with people. And like you said, dealing with the stuff before you get invested into a marriage, which is sacred. Like it is a sacred union between you and that person. And you see everything. It's not, I'm getting married. I get to have sex. Like that's cool. Okay, sis, fine. But you're not doing that every single day of the week. Like you are walking this out with somebody and walking out with them. And you see everything about them. Having that understanding of yourself before you step into that is one of the most vital things ever. You're not going to know everything. Like there are some things that come up when you're married that only God will allow to happen when you get married because you have to be in the situation to, you know, go through the season. But at the same time, you know, if you've experienced something of that nature, like really being able to have the understanding of your triggers and things like that is super vital. Yeah. And it's not saying that you have everything out in the open, that there won't be things that come up. It's more so saying that we built the foundation to know that we can communicate on this level. And so if something does happen from past situations, we know how to talk to each other. Yeah. We have like trust with each other. We have like basic right. trust, just basic right. trust. Right. And that's so big for somebody who was sexually abused. Like, can I trust you? Like, and do I feel safe? Like, I right. Do I feel safe? Can I be vulnerable with you with my emotions? Because as somebody who's been sexually abused, you've had your rights stripped away from you, your own body stripped away from you. And so when you obtain that strength to keep what's you, you, and you allow somebody to say, because when you become one with somebody, you're saying my body belongs to you, your body belongs to me. And for people who haven't addressed that sexual trauma, it's hard for them to accept that. It's hard for them to envision that they gave themselves to somebody who they're not fully, you know, capable of trusting just yet. Like you, you... (laughs) (laughs) because I think we need to also know, yes, because there could be times where your man wants to and you just don't feel like you're sick yeah i'm tired okay Mm -hmm. but at the same time and like you said really dealing with it the mental battle that that can be of oh i guess i just gotta you know you know and that shouldn't be the way it feels right but that can be really real and just having the conversation Mm -hmm. like you're and i don't want to use that word as a means of describing this but just like I'm a slave to this, or I have to yeah. do this out of obligation versus right. It's obligatory that I, you know, versus give you this because it says so. Because you want it to be something you both come together and enjoy. And granted, libidos they can waver, and that's a whole different conversation about the reality of you know sex drive versus the spiritual side drive. of it. People that don't it's know all, it's <laughs> it's so much that just in it, and it's not talked about. Yeah. So, because when you breastfeed and you know, sis, amen. Yeah. So, in closing, like, what advice would you give maybe couples? And I know you can't really speak for Javon, but you know enough to kind of be able to give maybe a general advice, but also women who desire to be celibate throughout their courting relationship. So, the advice I would give to somebody that is courting is do not underestimate your flesh. Know that the flesh is going to want what it's going to want know that emotions are very fleeting. So with that being said, in the moment of, you know, you and your man or your woman being together and you know that you're in a situation where 
you could cross a boundary, a boundary that you all set, but because in that moment, both of y'all emotions are high, y'all may want each other, she or he may have been crying, y'all done consoled that person, and now y'all done put yourselves in this position, and if you don't realize that your flesh is weak and you feel like you can fight through it, you will fall or you might fall. I'm not going to put that on. You might fall. And because emotions are fleeting, you can go back the next day and be very resentful of that person. And so not saying that you can't trust yourself around the person you're with is more so knowing that, hey, we put this boundary up for a reason. Mm -hmm. Revisiting that reason and saying, it's not because I'm not attracted to you. It's not because I don't want you. It's because of all these things that we need to be like, we can't put ourselves in these compromising positions. If we really want to walk this thing out, we got to be real with ourselves. Like when you cuddle me, I like the way it feel. <laughs> and if we continue to do this, I don't know if I'm going to be able to control myself. And thinking that you can is what will put you in that situation more times than you need to be in eventually something could happen. And so just be very open and honest about, you know, how your flesh is doing in that moment. And if you need to excuse yourself, do it. If you and that person are on the same page, it's not a, oh, you leaving me or you don't want me. Allow your emotions to be what they are. Go pray, do something, go take a shower and (laughs) see them tomorrow. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's going to be tomorrow. Right. So yeah, but definitely just, you know, don't put too much on yourself by just trying to be a superhuman and be like, I can withstand this temptation. Like just don't put yourself in a compromising position and you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. Cause a lot of the bad choices come from situations we put ourselves in. <laughs> thinking <laughs> that we can it. fight it. Just truly, mm-hmm. truly thinking we can fight it and think yeah. we, have a, we don't have a choice. We have right. So I'm going to actually link below in the show notes, the video from your YouTube channel with you and your husband that really gives okay. the story. Cause y'all, they describe a lot of the boundaries practically that they did, especially like leading up to their wedding, mm-hmm. to their apartment, just a lot of different things that they talked about. So I'm going to link that below in the show notes for those of you that are interested in seeing. And Alana, where can the people find you, girl? So I am on Instagram and YouTube as Alana Charmaine. And when she, you know, links it below, it'll have my information in my about section of my YouTube channel. I also do blogs. And so my blog is in there as well. I haven't written in a while, but I will (laughs) uh, eventually. But I'm trying to get more active on Instagram. So Instagram is where you can probably more so catch me in real time. And, you know, having more stuff uploaded to there probably than YouTube moving on into the future. Okay. All right, y'all. I love you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and I will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.